Hello and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Jeremy and I'm here with my wife Rosie. And today we're talking to Lauren. Lauren is somebody that we found on Instagram who talks a lot about her journey with miscarriages. She's actually had eight miscarriages to this date, but she's currently 10 weeks pregnant, so congratulations to her. But we wanted to talk to her about her miscarriage journey because it's something that a lot of women go through, but not a lot of people actually talk about. She also talked to us about lots of technical words and terminology and lots of procedures that she's had to go through in order to get pregnant this time. So she's had IUIs, IVF, She's had a DNC, she's had different miscarriages. Um, so it was really interesting to talk to her about her different experiences and just kind of open the conversation about this honestly. She is so, so brave to share all of her story on Instagram and then to come on the podcast and talk to complete strangers about it as well. So, so proud of her. It was an amazing conversation and it really kind of will hopefully help you understand miscarriage a little bit more and what some couples go through in order to have their child. We really hope you enjoy this episode and thank you so much Lauren once again for doing this with us. Hi Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. We reached out a few a few weeks ago um, because in 2020, Rosie and I recorded a set of four episodes to share our journey with infant loss. Um, we, we had to go through our own challenges between 2017 and 2020 and this year when it was October it was like pregnancy awareness month and stuff like that and I thought it'd be nice to have other people coming on the podcast to share their own stories because unfortunately this is happening to a lot of people in the world and it's not talked about enough we we are all in general, in general, shy about it. It's still a taboo. And we felt very lonely when we had to go through the miscarriages and, and everything. And knowing that other people have the same challenges, the same emotions, the same things are going through help to, you know, know that you can move on in life and there is hope and there is a light at the end of the tunnel sometimes. So that's why I think sharing stories is, is really important. So that's why we reached out. And again, thank you, Lauren, for accepting to be on, on the episode today. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate y'all having me. Um, I'll let you start where where you want to start your story, honestly. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor. <laughs> Okay. Um, in 2016 is when we first got pregnant and we never expected a miscarriage. Like, you know, people, like you said, people just don't talk about it. I, none of my friends had a miscarriage. Nobody I knew had one. And we went in for an ultrasound. The heart rate was 92. I didn't know that was low. Ultrasound tech never told me it was low. My OB at the time, who's not my OB anymore, never said anything to me about it. We'll bring you in next week. And I can literally remember when she was like, those words, there's no heartbeat. And at the time it was just me. They wouldn't let my husband in the room with me. And my sister mm -hmm. was also out of the room. So I would never brought my sister if we thought something was wrong, you know, and I'm gonna start crying now. And you know, just, it's so fresh. It's so fresh when she's like, I was like, what do you mean there's no heartbeat? Like I had her ask her like clarify it. And you know, when I can remember just when EJ walked in that room and seeing his look, it just seeing me hysterically crying. And then my sister's like, what's going on? Because they, they didn't know, you know, when I had to tell them, hey, there's no heartbeat. It was tough. 
and then it was the day before Christmas Eve. So Christmas that year was a little tough for us. And then, you know, like, okay, that's when you found out one of four people had miscarriages. I'm like, okay, it's a little more common. But you don't think it's very, you know, statistically it goes down to have two in a row, you know. So you're like, okay, we had one, won't happen again. So the second pregnancy, I was like, okay, this isn't going to happen again. Everything's going to go great. My HCG levels were doing well. Never expected it. Went in. Heart rate was still a little bit low. It was 107, I think. Next week, no heartbeat. And then I was like, okay, what's going on? And then I can remember mm-hmm. calling all these fertility doctors, and I kept hearing, well, we won't see you till you have a third miscarriage. Well, let's just wait and see if you have a third miscarriage. And I was like, wait till I have a third miscarriage? What happens if it's something simple like I need a blood thinner, you know, I have a clotting disease? Like, how hard is it to run a blood test? And I can really literally remember recalling like one of these doctors and it was like the fourth doctor I called that day and I just sat there and I just cried and I was like, Wow, will nobody help me? Like I felt just so defeated that nobody would help me, I felt like. And that's when I just opened up about my journey. I was like, because I felt so alone and so isolated because it's kind of like that taboo, like, hey, let's wait till you have your first trimester before you announce it, you know, which is fine. Yeah. And I, I get why people want to do that. But then it was like, I didn't even tell my close friends we were pregnant the first time, but I'm calling them to let them know, hey, we lost our baby. And then they're yeah. like, we didn't even know you're pregnant. And I'm like, if I'm sharing the bad news with these people, why am I not sharing the great news with these people? Because these people are going to be mm. here through thick and thin. Mm. And then after that is when I started opening up and then I would get blood work. And I was like, I'm getting blood work done because I just had a second miscarriage. And they'll be like, oh, my wife and I just had a miscarriage. Or we had two miscarriages. Now we have two you know, healthy kids. And you're like, man, I'm not alone. Like, this happens. Just nobody's mm-hmm. opening up and talking about it. And then the third and fourth miscarriage, I miscarried real early, like around five weeks. And then they found out after my second one, my second miscarriage. I had a pretty traumatic miscarriage with the second one. My OB at the time didn't remove all the tissue. And she was like, it's okay, you'll pass it. And I was like, no, I'm telling you, I'm like really sick. Like, I can't get off the couch and I had a DNC mm. with both of my first two miscarriages and then I went in a week and a half later after my DNC and there was the tissue left and a huge blood clot inside my uterus and I knew I was sick she wouldn't see me she's like it's okay you'll pass it so I actually had my left ovary removed now like 12 years ago so I called that doctor I was like look I know this isn't your specialty but can you see me he admitted me in the hospital for 13 days I was, my body was had so much infection that he couldn't even do another DNC until day 12. Mm. And I didn't realize then, like a lot of women don't know, like if they don't remove everything, like it can cause a trophoblastic disease or a carcinoma, which is a form of cancer. And I was like, where is wow. this at? Like, I've never heard this. You know, at the time I was 30, I was like, I've never heard of that. Um, and then so that was pretty traumatic. And that's when they found out I had a septum. Saw a local doctor. He still remove it. Same thing. Let's just wait and see if you have a third miscarriage. Third miscarriage rolled around. Fourth miscarriage rolled around. Finally, I saw a doctor in Cleveland Clinic. And she was like, you should have called me after your second one. And that was like the Mm -hmm. first time I felt like validated. Like, okay. I wasn't crazy thinking that I'm calling Mm -hmm. all these people after the second miscarriage for help. And they're telling me wait to the third. I was like, why didn't Mm -hmm. I call her? But, you know, United States Cleveland Clinic is like, well, I think number two hospital in the United States so I feel like just people who are really sick go there you know I'm not really sick I just want some answers 
and they remove the septum. So we're like, okay, this is this will be it. You know, this is the, the cure. It's going to fix it. And this was that the time the longest I carried a baby. That was nine weeks and four days. And the heartbeat would do the same. One fifty down to seventies. 140 to 90s and they're like we've never seen this and I'm like what do you mean you've never seen this like you're Cleveland Clinic like you you should know they're like we don't know if it'll be a good outcome or not we just don't know and unfortunately it wasn't six miscarriage rolled around seventh miscarriage rolled around and that's when um one ultrasound text because where I had all that tissue left over after my second miscarriage I had to go in every other week for an ultrasound to make sure it didn't turn into cancer or nothing was growing. And she was like, have you heard of a reproductive immunologist? And I was like, no, I have no idea what that is. And she gave me the information, Dr. Kwok Kim in Chicago, Illinois. And I was like, okay, maybe, you know, I was like, heck, I've seen other doctors. I've tried everything. Why not? So I started okay. seeing her and then literally we were supposed to go and then COVID hit. So, like, I waited six months to get into her, to see her. And then I was like, what do you mean COVID is hitting? Like, so, like, okay, you're going to have to do everything here. Like, locally, send it to us. So, it pushed us back a month. And I was like, okay, you know, it's just a month. But in the fertility world, a month is like a year. You know, it takes forever. And that's when they discovered that my natural killer cells and cytokines are high. So, your natural killer cells, everybody has. It's what, like helps you fight off cancers or tumors but so the yeah. my body thinks that when I get pregnant the baby's a foreign substance and it's not it's it, it's something good it's healthy so we thought I was doing IVIG treatments prednisone tacrolimus all these medications so we thought hey this is going to be our miracle baby like mm. literally we had before we never had an issue getting pregnant and then all of a sudden it took us like 16 months to get pregnant we're like what what's going on here like you know, we're running all the tests, everything's still the same, nothing's changed. And we had IVF, we we're supposed to start that Wednesday. And something kept telling me, don't order your medicine, don't order your medicine, wait till Monday, because, you know, they can overnight it. And then hmm. that Monday, I found out I was pregnant. So I was like, okay, this is our miracle baby. This is it. This is going to work. And then everything looked great. And then I just kept getting subchronic hemorrhages. And I would pass them, pass two, go back in the next day for an ultrasound, I'd have two more different locations. Pass those in a couple of days, I'd have another one. And they think that caused inflammation and is why I miscarried on the 8th. And then after that, EJ and I were like, okay, we need a break. I was like, but, you know, I'm I'm 35 now, but at the time I was 34, and I was like, we can't take too long of a break. We need to decide. And I was just like, you know what, we're going to do IVF. And we tried to do IVF, like, after our fifth miscarriage. And every doctor was like, well, you get pregnant, okay, so we don't want to do it. I right. get it. You know, it's expensive, and a lot of times it's for people who can't get pregnant. But I was like, let's just try it. Let's see if this this will work. I mean, I've had a doctor look right at me and say, the only way you'll ever be a parent is by surrogacy. Okay, appreciate your honesty, you know. You're not the doctor for me. You're not the doctor for us, you know. So after that, we're like, you know what? We're going to do IVF. And so far, this has been our miracle baby. Oh, my goodness. I... I don't even know, like, I have so many questions, but I also don't really know where to start, like. I mean, <laughs> more than questions, I, personally, what I'm curious about, and um, my question is related to personal experience, is how you and your husband are finding the force and the courage to keep going after getting punched in the face so many times. Because every time it's, I feel it gets harder and harder and how 
we just, we both knew, like, that was our dream, to be a parent. And, you know, we've talked about adopting and fostering, and, you know, that's something we're never opposed to do down the road, but we want our own kid. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we would just sit there, and it was like every time the doctor said, like, you know, hey, the only way you can have a baby is a surrogate. Okay, well, so you're not the doctor for us. Like, we'll just focus on something else. You know, I feel like every time we got something, like, negative news, we would just find something else to focus on. If it was me spending hours on research trying to self-diagnose myself or find a test Mm -hmm. that, hey, we haven't done this test to see – it's just hard, but like we just and we really just leaned on each other. Trust me, we've had our we've had our arguments. We've had our days where you just like get away from me, don't talk to me today. I can't do it, <laughs> you know. But we mm. just we just knew how bad we want to be parents, and we just even still like today, EJ like during the offer sounds is just he's so nervous. I'm nervous, you know. It we literally still just take it hour by hour. And we just really just being honest with each other. And I, I had have learned men grieve differently than women. And mm. he may not grieve how I want him to grieve. And I, and I have to be okay with mm. that. And I don't grieve how he wants me to grieve. Mm. What's the difference in the grieving? How, what's the, like, why did you say that? What's the difference that you found? I feel like, I feel like with him, he has to be strong. Like he has to be the man. He has to be strong. He can't be vulnerable he can't break down because he's got to be strong for me and it's not I'm like Mm. okay you you can break down you can tell me that how much it stresses you out like until recently we had done a therapy session with one of our friends he's like hey what are y'all open to this like we've never done it but sure yeah why not and hearing EJ Mm. talk about it like I didn't realize how much stress he was under you know he's like I feel helpless you're the one going to the appointments you're the one having 11 surgeries I had 11 surgeries in five years. He's like, you're the one who's putting off this physically through your body. And I'm just standing here. And he's Mm. like, that stresses me out because I want to be the fixer. I want to help you. And I literally can't do anything, but tell you, I love you and support you and do what I can to let you know I'm supporting you. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I understand that. Yes. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) I feel one of the things that was also like really, really hard for me is, and I mean, we're still going through those discussions, honestly, is um, now I'm at the point where we had three miscarriages. I'm so I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm terrified of the idea of pregnancy. Like, yes. pregnancy should be a happy, joyful moment. When me, yes. pregnancy equals stress, anxiety, being scared every single day she's going to the toilet like yes. every time she's going to the toilet is is there going to be blood yes like it's constant reminders and i find it the most just terrifying things ever right now honestly and and this is why i find super hard to overcome to actually keep going yeah and that's exactly how my husband felt um like my last pregnancy, I called him. He had just left for work. And he's like, as soon as I saw that phone ring, you never call me that early at work. He was like, I knew that I needed to come home, that something was wrong. And I was bleeding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I won't call him at work at first. Like, even if it's just like to tell him, hey, did you lock the door? Or just something, you know, that's ignorant. I, I won't call him yeah. because that he's that traumatic issue at the time that, you know, when I called him right there. And, and it's things like that. You say, like, you just... For you, you guys, you just worry, you know, 
nonstop about us. And, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like I asked him today, I was like, asked him at ultrasound, I said, how do you feel? And he was like, I'm still worried. I said, do you think you could worry maybe after our first trimester? He's like, no. He's like, I, I will continue to worry until the baby's in your arms. He's like, and then I'll be worried about the baby, <laughs> you know, once you have yeah. give there. You know, it's a different yeah. type of worry then. He was like, he's like, I'm so stressed out about it. And I, and, I'm, and I get it. And I just, I hope that he can still enjoy a little bit of it. Mm. How do you, especially right now, as you, everything is going well, are you able you to, to connect to the baby in a healthy way? Like, or you, I feel like the first time, you know, you, you see the positive test and you're so happy, you buy your book to get a name, you buy toy, you, you're like overexcited, overjoyed, and you get excited. And, and after the first miscarriage, uh, you learn that you need to wait 12 weeks, like three months to get excited for everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel every time something happened, you, we, we st- tried to not get excited you know so we so it would be less painful if anything was happening um have you been able to connect and and get excited about about it despite everything happening yes and no like you say you want to protect your heart you think if you don't get excited it's not going to hurt his heart but it's going it's it's still going to break our hearts regardless how excited or not um i have connected with the baby you know i do talk to the baby and i'm trying to enjoy it because you know, when you've gone through losses, you know it could be gone anytime. And mm. I can't let myself fully breathe yet. You know, it's, mm. okay, my symptoms today aren't as strong as they were yesterday. Like, is something wrong? You know, we know so much more than the next person. You know, the person who's never gone through loss is naive. Let's just be honest. They yeah. don't know, you know, they may worry. And I'm not saying that. I'm sh- pregnancy is stressful if you've never had a loss. But when you know so much, when you know, okay, well, my symptoms not strong or this is going on or this pain's not normal. Like we've learned so much through loss and Mm. I've still been able to connect with the baby, but I still in the back of my head, I can't, I can't fully let myself enjoy it. Like we did a gender Mm. test. So we know the blood, I don't know what it is. EJ and I don't, um, my friend Randy, she she knows she's my secret keeper right now. (laughs) Um, but I was like, Hey, let's do it this past weekend. His dad came in town and his brother and he's like, no, it's too soon. He's like, I don't want to. I was like, okay, hmm. not press or anything. You know, when, when do you want to? He's like, maybe around 13 weeks. You know, so we're still doing things like that to protect ourselves. And, you know, I tell people all the time, when you have loss, like, it, when you're pregnant again, the joy's robbed from you. You're excited, but it's not that pure joy. It's not, you're happy, but like you say, you're just so nervous. Every time I go to the bathroom, is there going to be blood? Am I going to get up in the middle of the night and just start bleeding? Like, there's just so much joy taken from us after loss. Yeah, like I've said to Jeremy, like if we ever get pregnant again, it's never going to be the same as that first time when you get pregnant and you're so excited. Like I'm never going to experience that. And it's such a shame that as people who experience loss, like you're never going to have that normal pregnancy that yeah, the naivety you dream and the of. Yeah, like thinking about baby one. names the whole time and planning the nursery and buying the pram and all these things that like... I don't know for you if you've started all that process, but no. I think if I ever got pregnant no. again, I wouldn't even start until I'm like at the hospital, like, oh shit, we need a name yeah. and we need yes. a pram and we need a bed yes. and we need all these things because I'm actually yes. about to give birth. Like, I don't think yes. I would prepare any of that until the very last minute until probably even the baby's actually born and in my arms. Yeah. Like, I'll just be so yep. scared of getting too attached and too yep. 
I don't know, it's, it's such a different process once you've gone through loss to then go through pregnancy and try and have some sort of normalcy about it. And there is no normalcy. You know, like you said, like you. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. I can't sit here and people are like, oh, you pick out a name. I'm like, name? No, I'm just trying to make it to ten day, ten weeks and four days and five days tomorrow, and and then we'll figure that out when it happens. Like I can't. I'm like, well, what about a baby shower? I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like I can't even think that far ahead. Like I'm literally taking mm. it hour by hour. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad people can pick out names in a week and go decide whatever they want and go buy all these baby clothes. And I can't. I just, I can't yet. Yeah. It's also really, really hard when you have, because I mean, usually when you are in your 30, 35, like your friends get pregnant as well at this, yeah. at this time. Um, and it's, it's also tough when you see friends or family getting pregnant. I, I found also something really hard is when someone tells you, uh, oh, we're pregnant, we're having a baby. And I'm in my head, I don't say that because I don't want to be like the dick that break the joy, but I'm like, you're pregnant. It doesn't mean you're having a baby yet. I'm sorry. That's that's yeah. what I think in my head. I'm obviously not saying it because it wouldn't be nice. But um. <laughs> Yeah, a yeah. positive test doesn't result in a baby. No. No. But also, like Jeremy was saying, like seeing friends and family that are pregnant at the same time and then you experience a loss and then seeing them have the baby and then the baby growing up and now going to school and like have you experienced that as well yes actually um my fifth pregnancy my sister no maybe my sixth pregnancy my sister and I shared the same due date like I didn't know we were sharing the same due date um I know I was pregnant I just hadn't told her yet and she came over she's like hey you know I'm pregnant and she was very sensitive about it, how she told me and everything and I was like well guess what I'm pregnant too you know and then about a week later I found out that my HCG levels weren't doubling and I can remember they were going up, but they weren't doubling. So I know, hey, they're not even going up how they should. And I can remember she sent me an email at work and she had an ultrasound because she didn't really know how far along she was. And she was like, I'm four weeks and four days. And I can remember looking at the, the email and I just started crying because I was four weeks and four days. And her due date, mm. you know, was in April. And I was like, I'm going to lose this baby. And my sister and I are going to have the same exact due date. And I was like, how am I going to get through this? I mean, my first pregnancy, my best friend and I found out a day apart. And then two weeks later, my other best friend found out, you know, so I've always kind of like had that close due dates, but with your sister, mm. you know, somebody's always going to be at the Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthday parties and everything. And it was hard for me. It was hard emotionally. I was so excited. And like I told her, I said, you know, Lindsay, it, babies are blessings. And I'm so glad that you're blessed with your miracle baby because she didn't think she was going to be able to have kids. So it was a blessing and it's a miracle for her, you know, also. So it's just tough. And then like, she asked me to be with her when she gave birth by C-section. So actually I was the first person to hold my nephew. And it's hard knowing that I should have been in the room down the hallway giving birth. And I wasn't. And <laughs> it's not funny, but it's funny. I was, um, I went into the bathroom before my, they went, took my sister back in the seat for her C-section. So we're all in there and I went in the bathroom and I just lost it, started crying. And I got myself together, you know, I'm like, okay, nobody's going to know. My eyes aren't puffy and everything. And I walked out and my niece was five at the time. She goes, Lola, have you been crying? I was like, nobody else noticed, but a five-year-old noticed I was in the bathroom losing my stuff. Like, no, I'm okay. I was like, it's allergies. It's April. It's allergies. I'm sure everybody else knew, but I was like, you little snitch. You're five years old. You're not supposed to say that. But it was, it was tough. And then now like, 
seeing, you know, my husband hold, hold him at first, I was like, we should be holding our baby. Like it was hard. It, it was, that's the best way to say it. it was just extremely hard. And, um, I now like we keep my nephew once a week, once a night, I mean like during the week mm-hmm. and him and my husband like are completely best friends. And I always feel like, and we miscarried. It was a girl, the one that we had miscarried. And I'm like, I feel like God gave us a little bit of her in him. You know, mm. a little bit of my, my little angel baby is what I call them. Yeah. But it's just hard. It's, I mean, it's so hard. It's so tough because you're genuinely excited for them and genuinely yes. happy for them. But at the same time, it is an actual pain in your heart that like, oh my God, why can't anger. this happen to me? And I don't know, like it's it's such a like it's such a mixed emotions of being like I'm so so happy, but I'm also so so heartbroken, and it's, it's such a weird, I don't know, place to be, place to be in. Yeah, like it's, yeah. and especially I think seeing the babies. So one of Jeremy's best friends was pregnant when I was pregnant with one of mine, and again, you know, a couple of weeks difference, and now seeing him, like I can't, I can't, I just break down. And like last time I saw him, I just had to like the whole time he was there for about two hours. I think for about an hour I was fighting back the tears like I couldn't look at him I couldn't make eye contact with him I was just like looking everywhere apart from at him and then after about an hour I could actually look at him and be like okay there's a child there and I can see him but it's so tough like I don't know how you dealt with that with your sister like that's I mean I see this kid once a year and it's heartbreaking let alone your sister that you keep you know you see him once a week and everything that's I don't know how you do it <laughs> it was hard. like I didn't go to her baby shower and she was upset with me and I get it you know like I told her I said Lindsay look it's not a it's about you, and I can't do it, first of all, my mental health. And I was like, and I'm not going to feel bad if I have to say, no, I can't go, you know. Mm. And I was like, and I didn't want people coming up to me and be like, are you okay? How are you doing? You know, I'm like, it's yeah. about mm. you and, and your blessing, and this must be a happy time for you, and I'm not taking away that from you, you know. And I know to this day she's still upset, but sometimes we have to do what we have to do for to protect ourselves and our hearts, and I felt like I made the right decision for that. And yeah. it's just – you say it's just hard because it was supposed to be my baby shower it's supposed to be me delivering the baby and now it like there is sometimes like I'll look at my nephew and be like I should have it like the other night we kept him I was like I should have a baby laying right beside him you know I should have a little girl right there beside him and and it still it still gets hard every time you decided to try again with your husband did you always agree that he was you're both ready to try nope. again or do you feel some time? Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. We have been on different pages numerous times and you know, it, like you said earlier, like you just, you're trying to have a baby. There's, it's not enjoying it anymore. It's not, it's, Oh, I have a pause ovulation test. Let's go try to have a baby, you know? And then you have the fear and the worry if it does work, like if you get pregnant, what's going to happen. And there'd be times like, Hey, let's try this month. They're like, Nope. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? No, like we, we need to try. Like we're, we're running out of time. He's like, I just can't do it. I'm like, but we want to, I want to try. He's like, I can't, I'm too stressed out about it. And I'm like, okay. And then like, even with like the IVF in not this last time, but the, the first time we were going to do it, I was like, look, well, we just want to have to do it. We're just going to have to go with IVF. We can't get pregnant. And you know, with IVF too, it's not like you, it's not a guarantee you'll get pregnant. It's not a guarantee you'll get any embryos and spend all that money and then have nothing, you know, and that was his fear. So we have definitely been on different pages at different times, but ultimately when we, like, okay, well, are we going to do this or we're not, you know? And he's like, okay, let, let's do it this month. Let's try it this month. And th- th- that's hard because, like, you you may not be ready and you may be ready. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. 
it's hard. That's that's another difficult subject. But yes, no, we have not been on the same page all the time on trying when we should try and when we shouldn't try. <laughs> you mentioned then as well about running out of time, and I guess that's to do with your age because you mentioned you're 35 now. Yes. And that's another thing that we're not struggling with, but you know, thinking about like I'm 33, I'll be 34 in April. So, you know, you read online at this age, your eggs start you know, getting less and less quality and you need to rush and you can, you know, there's only a certain amount of age you can do IVF and all these different things. Whereas for Jeremy, he has no worry in the world because he can have kids until he's a hundred. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also something that's worth talking about is the pressure on women in that like, yes. there is the time pressure, like that there is, there's no escaping it. Like if you want to have kids, younger is better and you can't really waste a year or two years or five years thinking about it or preparing yourself because you don't, you might not have that chance. And there's women who go into early menopause and there's women who have all different types of things. And it's, I think the age thing is also super scary as a woman to have to deal with like, if I want to do it, it kind of has to be now or never potentially. Yeah. And that's what, like I told him last time, I was like, after last miscarriage, she was like, let's just wait a couple months before we try to do it. We'll try. We tried a couple times on our own, didn't get pregnant. And I was like, okay, we're just going to do IVF. And it's like, well, we got plenty enough time. And then, like, even my OB is like, you know, really, 35 is not high risk now. It's more 40. And I'm like, that's not what I want to hear. You're not on my team right now. Let's, let's go come back to my team. And, like, I was like, but I only have one ovary. And like you said, people go premenopausal early. Like, you just don't know. I was like, EJ, if we're not going to do it, we're going to at least going to freeze my eggs. Like, if, and then we were just like, okay, let's just go on and, and do IVF. But guys, heck, when you know, everything comes back good on them, they got forever, it seems like, to have a baby. But we put pressure on ourselves because we don't know. And you don't know if you'll get yeah. a cyst and lose your ovary like I did. That's how I lost my left ovary. You know, it's scary. You mentioned then about, you mentioned about freezing your eggs. Have you thought about freezing eggs and embryos? Have you looked into the information around that and what that involves? Um, well, we, when we did IVF this really. cycle, that's how I got pregnant was IVF this cycle. So we were blessed. We had six embryos. Um, we just transferred one. We would have transferred two, but at the time we only knew that we had two. We didn't know. We had four possible, but we weren't sure. And, EJ and I are like, well, do we transfer those two? Do we not? Like, you know, if we take those two and they don't, we don't have any other, you know, eggs we, or embryos, we'd have to do IVF again. We can't do that. So we made the decision just to transfer one. Um, and we have real, five really good quality eggs left. So those are frozen. Um, okay. Will we, would we have another baby? Because we are, we will, I'm going to say we will have this one. I'm going to be positive. This one is going to be successful. Yes, we will. Yes, um, no. I, I can't mentally, physically go through another one. Will we'll be one and mm-hmm. done. Yeah. I understand that, personally. Yes, <laughs> yes, one and done. <laughs> um, I would love to ask you about all the different procedures, DNC, mm-hmm. IUI, IVF, all these different things, because people listening might not know what all these things mean. Um, so would you okay. mind talking us through a DNC, what that means, what happens, why you get it done, everything you know about it? Okay. Um, a DNC um, is where they go in and sounds awful, but it is what it is. They pretty much vacuum the baby from you. Um, I do that because after my HCG levels get a certain level, usually if they're above $5,000, my body doesn't process a miscarriage, which is dangerous. If your body ends up not processing it, you just can't carry the tissue for weeks in it. Um, so that's why I go in and they will do the DNC. And a lot of times it clears you out too. If there's scar tissue or things like that, um, which may make some people more fertile. They say a lot of times after DNC, women get pregnant easier because it cleans you out. It's the best way to say it. Um, 
And then I had a septoplasty. A septoplasty is where like your uterus kind of looks like Sorry, a Sorry, can I ask you about the DNC? Yeah. Sorry, can I ask you about the DNC a little yeah. bit more? Yeah, absolutely. What is the actual process in terms of like, and if this is too much, you don't have oh, to no, explain, but I mean like, are you awake? No. Do you I'm feel put, anything? I'm, I'm, I'm Do put they under. numb you? I'm put, I'm put under. They, 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 okay. they put me to sleep. Um, I go to the hospital. It's considered an operation. Um, they do it vaginally, so I'm not cut. Like a laparoscopy, you're cut. Um, that, they do it vaginally. So it's not, you know, it's more of a mental healing than a physical healing. You may bleed for a couple of days healing, afterwards. Yeah. I would prefer mm-hmm. to do, I've had mis- miscarriages where I've passed the tissue on my own and the baby on my own. I've had DNCs. Yes, it's surgery. There's always a risk of surgery, surgery you know, scar tissue. For me, I would rather do a DNC any day than pass the baby on my own. Number one, I know the day and the time I'm going in to do it. I know what to expect. I'm not awake, you know, so I wake up. I may bleed a little bit, but I'm not hurting versus when you miscarry on your own, you don't know if it's going to be today, tomorrow. You have no idea. You don't know where you'll be when you start bleeding. The pain, the cramps, for me, it was always that I just flush my baby down the toilet because sometimes it's so small, you just don't know. Was that a clot? Was that a baby? To me, it's so yeah. much more traumatic passing the baby on my own than just to go in in there. And then during DNCs, they can also do chromosome testing. So they would find out if you know, baby, did the baby have Downs or was it a chromosome issue on why you miscarried or was it a healthy baby. Mm. So to me, that was always... I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't know that either until my fifth one. The first two, I had no idea where I would have done it because it would have given me answers. So I've done three chromosome well, that's the thing, testing. I thought... Sorry, I thought with the DNC, I thought it was something that if your body can't pass and then you would have to go in and it's kind of not a choice and they just, like you said, vacuum it up and I, I didn't realise there was any kind of pro towards it, if that makes sense. Other yes. than obviously not having to pass the, the mm-hmm. clots and not physically seeing it and flushing the toilet and things like that. I thought it was more like an emergency, like stuff isn't coming out, therefore I need a yes. DNC. I didn't realise there was actual pros in terms of finding out about the chromosomes and things as well. That's really interesting. Yes, and that's why we ended up on the sixth one we did the DNC. The sixth one, I probably could have waited. My HCG levels weren't as high. My body probably would have processed it. But I was like, okay, I want to see if this is a chromosome issue. So the fifth one, we did the testing on it. Um, I did a DNC in the first two, but model OB never told me anything about chromosome testing, which was aggravating because that could have given me answers, you know, that I didn't, now I didn't yeah. have. The third and fourth one I passed mm. on my own. The fifth one, we did the DNC. And I didn't know also it tells you the genetics. I had no idea. If it, it, I mean, not the genetics, but the sex of the baby. I had no idea. So my doctor was like, okay, yep, everything came back normal when it was a girl. And I was like, what, what do you mean it was a girl? Like, it completely no. caught me off guard and it made everything real. Like, a miscarriage is real. And then you hear the sex of the baby yeah. and you're like, okay, now you're not just yeah. holding a baby. You're holding a baby girl. You know, you pink blankets, mm. bows. You know, you have the visual now versus just holding a baby. And then the sixth one, I did another... Um, DNC with the chromosome testing, it was normal. And then seventh one passed on my own, and the eighth one we did another DNC, and it was normal. So I've had all normal chromosome testing. I'm not sure about the other ones that yeah. I passed early, but that 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 is a benefit to me. It's a benefit. It's not as traumatic. It's still traumatic, but it's not as traumatic. Like you say, just going to the bathroom and just wondering, did I just flush my baby down the toilet? And and to yeah. know. Okay, is this why we miscarried? Was it? Did it have Downs? Did it have the trisonomy? I'm not. I'm probably saying that wrong. Seventeen is, is that why? Like so, 
it give, does give you some answers. I think as well, like you said, knowing when it's going to happen, because I had a miscarriage in Cuba and on day one I was bleeding and stuff was coming out and then about five days later we were visiting like some big mural thing and then just a big clot came out and I was just like <gasps> I need to go to the toilet now like I don't know what yes. the fuck is going on what is coming out of me and I panicked and freaked out and I had to go to the toilet and have this big thing come out of me and it was just like so I can imagine that actually like knowing that a DNC could help alleviate all of that stress yes. <laughs> of knowing like so what's happening and when it's happening and yeah Okay, then what was the other thing you were going to talk about? And I cut you off. Sorry about oh, that. No, it's okay, honey. It's okay. The septoplasty. Um, a lot of times people have uh-huh. septums in their uterus. And, like, you know, your uterus should be, like, like a ball. Like a circle. You know, not actually a ball. But you shouldn't have anything. Like, mine had a heart. Mine kind of made my uterus look like a heart. Like, they called it horns. Uh-huh. So, like, the baby okay. could plant there and not get enough blood flow because the septum would come down. So, after the okay. second one is when I found out we had it, but I couldn't find a doctor to remove it until I went to Cleveland. And that's when she removed mm-hmm. it to make it more oval shape, you know. Yeah. Okay. And then a laparoscopy is where they'll go in and they cut, go, go through your belly button and then they'll cut you like a little bit in your stomach, like in your abs. They're just like a very, very small, just like centimeters. It's nothing big. And that they can go in there and look like outside your uterus if you have endometriosis, like a DNC or a hysteroscope. Mm-hmm. They just go like a hysteroscope. They take like a camera into your uterus vaginally. So you can't see what's outside of it. You can't see if there's endometriosis outside of it. But laparoscopy, they can look at your ovaries. They can see if there's cysts, if there's like a nasty cyst, if there's endometriosis they need to remove. Um, So I always tell people, you know, also, hey, do that. You know, because endometriosis and things like that don't show up on an ultrasound. So, you know, you don't want to do surgery. But it's like I had that done whenever I couldn't get pregnant for that year and a half. And that's when they found out I had endometriosis also. Oh. And so he removed that. And then I did two IUIs. IUIs is where they, um, I had two failed IUIs. They take the sperm and then they just, when you ovulate, you'll do a trigger shot. And then 36 hours after the trigger shot, they'll inject the sperm inside your uterus. Mm-hmm. And you've done IVF as well. Yeah. What's the process of IVF? Because I know that's expensive. I know it's lots of injections and pills, like not pills, injections. I don't know much about it, but it sounds crazy. The The price of it, every place is different. Um, some places in the gut like $30,000. And it depends on what you get add-on. If you have to do ICSI, if you have to, if you do genetic testing. We didn't do genetic testing because it was an extra $4,500. It cost us around 14000 between fourteen dollars to $15,000 with our medication and, it, and everything else. And then we had to do ICSI. Then you have to pay to freeze your your embryos. And what's the process? Because I've seen, you know, women posting online with lots of needles and things. Do you mm-hmm. inject yourself every day? How many times per day? How long does that last? What's the whole process of IVF? So with IVF, it's a little bit different for everybody. Um, because okay. it depends on how big your follicles get. You know, I think I did it for eight days. I think I took stems. Uh, for eight days but some people do it for 12 days some people do it for 13 days it j- just depends on okay. how your body reacts to the medicine if they have low amh different things like that i reacted really well even i only have one ovary so i had to inject myself in the morning with lovinox and then in the evening like the first four or five days was just one shot i think and then we incorporated two shots a couple of days after that and I had to do five days of two shots. And then the night of the trigger, we did three shots. And then we did retrieval. 
and then we did a five-day fresh embryo transfer. So a lot of times with women, whenever they go in for the retrieval, like the best way to say is their uterus and everything is, is too feisty to do a fresh transfer. So they'll wait and let you have a period for a month and then do a frozen embryo transfer. However, my doctor okay. doesn't like to do frozen embryo transfers as much as fresh because I guess when it's frozen and it thaws, sometimes it can thaw not properly is how he explained it to me. Yeah. So we did the fresh. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do the fresh. I got hyperstimulated, which I've heard is painful, but until you have it, it's very painful. Like every time I get up, I was going to pass out from the pain. And EJ's like, I'll take you to the ER. I was like, no, just let me lay here. Like, seriously, if he would have bought me Depends that day, I probably would have just peed in Depends because it hurt so bad to get up and go to the bathroom. It was awful. I've never been, as much stuff as I've gone through, that's probably one of the most painful things I've ever done. And I've had back surgery. So for it to say, it really kicked my butt. And then we did the fresh transfer. I felt terrible for two days. About third day, I started feeling better. So they gave us the green light to do the fresh transfer. And then after the fresh transfer, I did progesterone oil pills. I mean, progesterone oil shots. And then I did progesterone pills also. A lot of girls do vaginal progesterone pills, um, but my doctor doesn't like to because it's already kind of irritated and everything else. She doesn't want to do anything else to irritate your uterus and your cervix and everything. Um, so we did mm. the shots, and I'm still doing the progesterone shots. I got two more weeks of those. And what's the retrieval process like when they actually take the eggs? Are you awake for that? Is it vaginally? Is it like what's, it's vaginally, what it's, it's vaginally, um, and every clinic is different. Some will actually put you under. I was under but awake, if that makes sense. They didn't put me like, they didn't completely put me completely under. They kind of like twilight you, but I don't remember anything. Mm -hmm. I remember my doctor coming in there. I'm up in stirrups because before they give you a volume and they gave me something else to kind of relax before they kind of took me back in this room. And then he was talking to me and then I, that was it. And then I remember waking up and I was like, oh, I meant that hurts. Like he was still retrieving. I was like, I'm cramping really bad. And I'm sure she pushed something right back in my IV because I went right back under. And so I don't yeah. remember, but I've heard of some women who are completely knocked out during the whole, the whole procedure. And, but during the, the transfer, you're wide awake. They gave me a value for the transfer to relax me because when I did my IUI, sometimes if you do anything to like your uterus, it can make you really nauseous. And I, like, I threw up during mm -hmm. my IUI. So because of that, they didn't want to have like any contractions with my uterus. So they gave me a Valium to relax me. It's such a whole process, isn't it? Like you have to want kids to do IVF and to do, you know, to go through eight yes. miscarriages to do it. Like you, you want kids. Like it's, yes. it's not something easy. Like it's, it's hard because for us as well, like we've thought about adoption, surrogacy, IVF, and it's just like, I don't know if I can, like, I, I don't know if I could go through IVF. Like it's such a, you know, it's, it's we're not so easy. much stronger than it's we not, think we are though. It's not easy. It's not, but you know, it's, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was until the retrieval. I will tell you that. And some people have a horrible experience. Some people get real bad headaches, get bloated. I mean, I was bloated um, because you're, you're swelling, your ovaries are getting bigger. Um, but it wasn't as bad as what I thought it was until the retrieval. And the retrieval kicked mm. my butt. <laughs> it, it definitely <laughs> kicked my ass after that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm a big supporter it's, of IVF now. I think it, it's, it's helped us tremendously. And I think, too, with a lot of women having miscarriages, especially if you have early miscarriages, to me it was like that five days of that embryo baking, I guess I'm going to put it, and then putting it in me. It gave me a five-day head start. And I feel like... That made mm -hmm. a huge difference because my miscarriages were always between six and seven weeks usually. That was, you know, 
the time that the heartbeat wouldn't be as strong, we go back in, there's no heartbeat. And I feel like that, this period made a big, made a big difference for us. I know you can't change things, but do you wish you'd done IVF sooner? Yes. Is that something you'd recommend to other people? Like yes. if you've had two miscarriages or three, go and do IVF. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think after three, do it. Especially if you know, like, if all your, te- like, it's different if they come back and like, okay, well, you have this disorder or this, you know, some type of diagnosis. But when you don't have, when you have unexplained yeah. and there's no answers, absolutely. I wish I was more adamant when we tried after our fifth one. But I couldn't, like my IVF doctor now that did it, he wouldn't do it after my fifth one because I got pregnant and he's like it's just to spend that much money and I get it and I respect the fact that he's worried about us financially and our well-being to spend that much money because it doesn't guarantee you won't miscarry it won't it doesn't yeah but I've heard of so many women who have had six seven miscarriages and then finally did IVF and had a successful pregnancy like there's this one woman she reached out to me same situation she had eight miscarriages her ninth pregnant pregnancy was successful it was an IVF she started seeing a reproductive immunologist before this pregnancy so I feel like those two combinations has made the world of difference for us I think that's the scary thing is that it still can't guarantee a pregnancy is that even if you do IVF even if you do surrogacy even if you do all these different things it's never going to guarantee not a miscarriage not a stillbirth not a something else this that any other like there's no guarantee that's just the scary thing isn't it as well but I mean yeah I don't know and that's like you know to spend that much money like you know if they're like, hey, it guarantees your baby. Heck yeah, we'd spend that much money a long time ago. You know what I mean? It guarantees the baby. Yeah, you know, yeah. And people like, you know, if people who do GoFundMe or these puzzle fundraisers, they'd be like, well, if you have to do that, you can't afford a baby. And I'm like, wait a minute, let me tell you something. Spending $15,000 on something that's guaranteed is one thing. Spend $15,000 you have no idea is going to work is a completely different thing. You know, yeah. it has nothing to do yeah. if you can afford this or afford that. Like, it's not a kid at once you have to pay $15,000 a day for a kid. And if you do, then you need to <laughs> look at your lifestyle again. You know, diapers aren't that expensive. Yeah. You know, they're expensive, but not $15,000 a day. And that's, you know, that was the fear. Like, I feel like with EJ, like he was hesitant to do IVF as much as I wanted to after the fifth one because it's, it's not a guarantee to spend this much money and you could walk away with no embryos. You know, this, I know a woman mm. who did IVF and had none and she has to do a complete another IVF mm. round. Like, I mean, my heart breaks for her, you know, or anybody that goes through yeah. that or just gets one embryo and transfers it, you know, and I'm, I know other people who've had two or three embryos and they didn't transfer and they miscarry their last one and have to do a whole nother IVF round. Like I, I feel very blessed how our IVF turned out for us. And I know it doesn't turn out like that for everyone. Mm. But- the more you get into the more you research alternatives and everything something i've come to realize is that there's no easy way at all like mm-hmm. ivf is really i mean it's, it's it's hard mentally and physically and again doesn't guarantee anything but if, even if you want to go for another you know alternative like adoption like it's not easy either or cheap at all or cheap uh, yeah or cheap <laughs> yeah yeah actually yeah uh, this this all the other options are expensive and long and draining. Yes. The thing with adoption I don't like is that you have to apply. Yes. It's almost like you have to prove yourself that you can be a good parent. That gets me as well. It's like, I don't want to fucking have an application form to be a parent. Like, is it? I guess it's the same with IVF. You must feel the same. Like, you have to apply and be like, you know, I deserve to try and get pregnant again because X, Y, Z. Like, it's... Whereas, you know, obviously the natural way, you decide as and when, 
obviously it doesn't always work out but I mean at least it's on your terms and it's not somebody else deciding whereas with you know adoption surrogacy IVF you kind of have to apply and ask for permission to get pregnant and it's that annoys me as well that whole process of being like yes I am worthy to be a parent and it's so expensive and I, I can't stand when somebody's like just adopt I'm like it's not you're going to the damn pet store and picking a pet out like it's yeah. a kid you're not just adopting yeah. you are bringing life into yeah. your to your life and making a family like and people will think it's an easy yeah. way out. Like, I've had some people like, well, you've had so too many miscarriages. You should just adopt. Or you should just foster. And I'm like, yeah. it's not an, an easy, like you say, it's long. It's it's, it's expensive. Like, it's it's not an easy route. And I couldn't, like, we, you, EJ and I talked about doing fostering to adopting because it is more affordable. But I was like, there is no way I could sit here and foster a kid for a year and a half thinking I'm about to adopt this kid. And like, oh, no, you're going back to your parents. I couldn't handle the heartbreak. Mm. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. And, you know, I have a friend who actually just now adopted a baby that last week and she spent almost $50,000 to adopt. I'm like, that's insane. And she's been waiting, I think, almost three years to get one. It took her three years to get one since she started the process. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So you're based in America. Um, mm-hmm. And things are different in every country's. Uh, in terms yes. of health regulations, prices, uh, time off, stuff like that. Um, like I know we, we did some research and I think in France, IVF can be free, uh, can be covered by the health insurance if you're less than a certain age, stuff like that. In the US, I know it's, I mean, the health system is fucked up. Everything is crazy expensive. <laughs> and you basically don't get any time off, whatever happens to you. Yes. Um, how how hard was the whole process like in terms of work for you and for your husband maybe doing the miscarriages and the IVF and everything it, it was hard um my husband doesn't have much leave at his job even though he's been there for years they just don't have much leave I'm blessed and have a li- lot more flexibility with my leave at my job um but it's still hard like you know when you're going in there like I mean I've miscarried at work you know and it, it it's hard I've been blessed, like, my, my boss is really great if I need to take time off or anything, and that has made a stressful situation not as stressful. Um, my husband's boss also has been really great with him, working with him, because there's days that, you know, we did IVF that was three hours away, so there was times that he had to take me, and it's it's not, oh, hey, y'all wait till the weekend, it's whenever your ovaries ready to go, and it's time for the retrieval, you know? Yeah. So we've, oh, had some, yeah. we've had some flexibility as far as, like, our bosses, but as far as, like, something that is, like, federally across the United States no you know there's not guaranteed that you know you get 12 weeks paid leave you know there's some like my husband doesn't whenever we have the baby he's going to have to use his own leave or he won't get paid mm. you know and, and and that that sucks that's the best way to say it. It, it, it sucks because you shouldn't have to choose that like you if you have a miscarriage you should be able to take off a couple of days of work you know it's emotionally and physically it's so hard and then you're trying to go back to work it, that it's tough yeah. Yeah, and pretend like nothing happened yes. and just move on with taking care of customer A that you don't give a crap what he's telling you. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, something also I've noticed that you said a lot, and it's something that we experienced is how little we know as young adults about all that. Are we, uh, when you're a young couple, young adult, you think you're going to get pregnant mm-hmm. and then you're going to have a baby nine months later and everything. And then when, when unfortunately something like that happened, you learn about it, you make some research and you discover a whole new world of 
technical terms and procedures and things that no one tells you about when you don't experience that at all. Yeah, you men- mentioned that so many times that you didn't know, you know, what the heartbeat should be. You didn't know that this should be this way or whatever. Like, there's so much that we don't know. And and also it's interesting the relationship with the doctors, I feel. Uh, this is normal, you know, like this, we can see, we, we will, we'll see you again in two miscarriages, like, some human connection here like what the fuck like seriously are you um we experience the same in france so it's interesting that it's it's happening i mean you you had similar experience in the us it's just the whole system seems to be really disconnected to the human behind the the number that we offer them it it is you're just like what do you mean Little sweets, you can learn miscarriage. My OB now is amazing. Like, I got with him after my fifth miscarriage. And, like, he wrote me and my husband, like, after one of our miscarriages, he wrote us a card, a condolence card, you know, mm-hmm. to find that. Like, and he texted me that night, hey, how are you doing? Like, it, it's it's nice to, to have that. And, and I think that's another big reason, like, we were able to continue because we had that support system within our medical team. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. Even my reproductive immunologist, it wasn't, oh, you're crazy for keep trying after so many miscarriages. It was, we got this. Let's figure this out. You know, so they were just as determined as we were. And that has helped us tremendously. But it's ridiculous to wait. I think having... For them to say, oh, let's just see. I think having doctors... Yeah, I think having doctors who care really makes yes. a difference as well. Because I remember after my first miscarriage, I went to the doctor's. I was, it was in France, so I didn't speak. I mean, I spoke French, but I was just crying the whole time. And he was like, you're having a miscarriage, just go home. And I was just like... Like it was so matter of fact. And then I went for a scan to see if there was a heartbeat. There's no heartbeat. Well, okay. There was no like, oh, I'm sorry. Take care of yourself. Go home, eat some ice cream, like whatever. Like it was just like, okay, have two days off work and you know, it's normal. It's life kind of thing. And I was just like, that's bullshit. (laughs) I'm devastated. I've just lost a fucking baby. And it's just like, oh, never mind. You're not like, it was just so matter of fact and so cold and so brutal and so like, I don't know. I yeah, I think finding a good doctor has got to be crucial because you know having someone that trusts, like you trust, yep. and someone that can be compassionate as well. Like you know, we're we're people going through emotions, and I think a lot of doctors are very cut and dry with things and don't quite. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm glad you found a good doctor. Yes. <laughs> and you know, it makes a difference too. Like with my doctor, like I think at first when I was pregnant, I was going twice a week for ultrasounds. You know, I'd have people send messages. You're going to ultrasounds too wow. much. That's dangerous for the baby. I'm like, it's not dangerous for the baby. Like. The sound waves aren't on. There's no danger to the baby. Like, don't you think my stress level is a little bit more dangerous than an ultrasound? <laughs> like, yeah. and it was so nice. Yeah. Like, because even like next week, because I've been going in now for about every week for the past couple weeks instead of every two, and he's on vacation next week. And he was like, "Do you want to see another OB next week?" He was like, "Or can you wait?" And I was like, "I think I can wait till next Monday." I was like, "I think I can wait a week and a half." And his nurse was like, "Just call me. I'm here. If you need to get in, we'll get you in." You know, we don't want you to be nervous and have an anxiety about it. And then that's just so nice that. And it's nice, too, when you've gone through it and if you call them like, hey, something's not right, they know we know something's not right. You know, we're just not calling to to, to complain about something. We know something isn't right. Yeah. I've got to say that, I mean, you <laughs> make it sound really easy. It's the not. Way I'm sorry. It's yeah? not. <laughs> no, in a sense that for some, like, at the beginning, I like, want to ask you, like, how how do you find, you know, the the force and, and the force and the courage to keep going every time, 
uh, and you say like we just want it and and we just want it to happen and everything and this one thing that I mean yeah you want it but it's so hard when you keep getting roadblocks uh, physical roadblocks administrative roadblocks doctor you know not mm. advising you maybe the way they should like there's so many things you have to overcome uh, physically administratively mentally uh, and it's two of us it's two of you also it's, it's not just one person that okay once you are over it it's fine it's you you have to be in sync with your husband yeah. as well which makes it even harder uh, and i know how hard it is like because i like i told Rosie many times like for me it's like you know you you have a a bottle full of energy at the beginning and every time you have a loss this a chunk that's gone and for me like there is a limited amount there's a limited amount of energy this a limited amount of punches i can take before i i don't know what happened if, once you get empty you know and and it just gets harder and harder and harder and that was my experience when for rosie she says that it's bad to say but it's just another miscarriage and in a way like you you find it easier because you keep disconnecting yourself I don't yeah know. well i think it sounds awful to say it, so I'm sorry if this offends you or anyone listening, but like for me, it, it just gets easier because it's just like, I think the first one was so devastating and I was so excited and it just got ripped away from me and Jeremy was away from work, so he wasn't even there and I was just, you know, this doctor being like, you've been having a miscarriage, it's not a big deal. I was at home crying all day on my own. And then after that, all the other pregnancies, it's just like, well, I'm pregnant, but I'm not really pregnant. I've got sore boobs, but I'm not really pregnant. Like I was so trying to disconnect from my, like, disconnect myself from it that then it's like okay what's another pregnant it's another miscarriage I just get pregnant again like it was less it almost feels like every time I have a miscarriage it gets easier I don't know if that's the same for you or if it got harder I don't know if that's maybe just my way of processing yeah, it yeah we have know. different experience but, and you just yeah. like you said you like and, and I've been there like when you're just you don't want to connect with the pregnancy you know okay you know we know what could happen you know and you know we know for HCG levels aren't yeah. going up like so it's hard to connect when you know like because you're trying to protect your heart and it doesn't matter if you connected, if you did yeah. connect, it's still heartbreaking. Like, there's no way, and that's yeah. why, like, it doesn't matter how much of a wall I put up, if I lose the baby, I'm still going to be devastated. And that's the way you, that's how you yeah. handled it to protect your heart. And I tell people all the time, do what you have to do to protect yourself. Do what you have to do to heal. Yeah. And if that's what takes you to heal, then that's fine. You know, everybody handles it differently. I mean, I was still devastated. I yes. I still cried. Oh, I was still devastated. It was just that it was, like... You know, I'm not saying it was easy. I'm like, oh, just another miscarriage. Oh, no. Like, it is devastating. It's just how you handled it. It's almost... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something I want to ask you about is... Something that bothers me is when people say, oh, you're 30, you should have kids by now. When are you going to have kids? Or if you go to the doctors, how many kids have you got? No, none. Like, do you have that experience as well with people that you don't know asking you if you have kids and why you don't have kids and when you're having kids? I do, you know, if we're somewhere, they're like, oh, how many kids y'all have? And I'm like, no, and I'm just honest. I have eight miscarriages. I've had eight miscarriages. I just come out and tell them, you know, um, and they're like, oh, and then I'm like, well, yeah, well, maybe you shouldn't ask people that question if you don't want such a blunt answer, <laughs> you know? Bloody love that because I always <laughs> never know what to say. I'm always like, oh, no, not yet. Maybe sometime soon. We don't know yet. Like, I'm so, I think I'm too English for it. Like, I'm too polite and too british <laughs> no if they want if they listen but don't, I don't worry about response. their feelings if they don't care about your feelings is how i look at it on that one 
And they may not mean it insensitive. So you just come out and say yeah, it. Yeah, I just come out and say it. I was like, no, we don't have kids. Yeah. That's that we've had any miscarriages. And then their reaction, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and I'm like, well, maybe next time fill, fill the room a little bit. <laughs> Read the room before you start asking questions yeah. like that. I've had a doctor as well. I, was, I think it's my last one. Oh, how many pregnancies have you had? Three. Okay, so you've got... No, what pregnancy is this? It's my fourth. Okay, so you've got three kids. No. Okay, how many kids have you got? None. Oh. Oh, and you, so this is your fourth pregnancy and you, and you don't have any kids? And I'm like, no, thank you. And it's like, even doctors are so oblivious to the fact that women have miscarriages it's so i don't know it's, just... it's crazy or I, like i've had to like literally fill in lines like when i go in to do like my medical forms like on how many miscarriages i have i'm like there's not enough lines for me <laughs> like i have to go to the back of the page and fill it out i'm like you should have more than two lines yeah it's uh, Danielle, yeah yeah it's interesting how the the entire system and the world is just not taking this thing into account yeah. where it's happening to I, I don't even know how many probably millions yes. of women across the world uh, on a daily basis and we still as a society treat it as something not really happening it's just in a bag somewhere and let's just not look at it yeah when yeah it's just something happening every damn day every mm-hmm. single day to so absolutely normal people as well think. also <laughs> yeah 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 and it's not just something happening to you know people with bad health or people i don't know that no it's just happening to people like you and me absolutely normal people ordinary people yeah healthy people mm. yeah. yeah completely yeah and when are you due with this pregnancy june 11th so I don't so think like I'll go that long. Months. I think it, you know, probably early May, I think, because I'm on prednisone and that increases your chances of like gestational diabetes or hypertension. So I think that I'll have some little complications when mm. I get down to the end of the road. Um, but I'm okay with that, as long as the baby's healthy. That's like, you know, I always say, I don't, yeah. I'm, I've gained, I feel like, a lot of weight already because um, I increased my prednisone. So prednisone makes you gain weight. And that's like, as long as the baby's healthy, I don't care how much I gained. You know, I've always before, I always had this, <laughs> this, you know, this image about how I would look when I was pregnant. And I was like, I forget that image. Like today I told her she weighed myself. I was like, I'm gonna blame it on the sweater. I'm gonna blame the extra pounds. I got a heavy sweater on today. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm okay with that. So you're about, you're about 10 weeks yeah, now, are you? 10 weeks and four days. And this is the How furthest. do you feel? I feel good. I mean, this morning I was super nauseous. I had to do a fasting actually today for my blood work because my sugar had been a high a little bit, but was non-fasting. So they just wanted to make sure. And I was so nauseous this morning. And then I can't take my medication because you have to eat. Mm-hmm. So, but other than that, I mean, I feel great. Like even when I don't feel good, I still feel great. Like I just, I don't even want to complain about those. Like I just, it's truly a blessing for us every second. And I want to enjoy the good and the bad. And I don't, you know, and, Everybody's like, well, you still can complain? I'm like, no, I can't. I can't complain about it. Like, it is such a blessing for us. You know, we never, we always prayed that we would be here. But we never, I think, realized, like, we would be here. Because this is the longest we've ever carried the baby. This is the first time we've ever had a stable heartbeat continuously. And it's, it's just huge. It's just, like, such a big milestone for us. And I told EJ today, I was like, we're 25% through this pregnancy. He's like, I don't want to think about it yet. You're, 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 you're jumping too far ahead. I was like, no, I'm just letting you know, 25%. Mm. Like, trying to put it, like that way like how much we've accomplished to get here 
But I mean, I, I feel good. Yeah. I can't, I'm not throwing up all the time. Um, my headaches haven't been bad. I do IVIG, which is a um, antibody transfusion. It's like a, it's a blood, it's a form of a plasma transfusion. And that kicks my butt sometimes. So this past time I had it where my natural killer cells and cytokines were high, they had a double dose. And I mean, I had the worst headache Saturday and Sunday this past weekend. I mean, it was, and it's one of those headaches. It's, it's like worse than a migraine, but it's like not even a headache. Like it's so hard. And the people who have that type of headaches, they understand. It's like, you can't describe it. You say a headache because your head hurts, but it's mm-hmm. so much worse. There's nothing you can take. And even when you're pregnant, you can take like Tylenol, but Tylenol doesn't touch it, you know? So it was rough, mm. but I still enjoyed it. I was like, you know, it's still a good sign. It means maybe it's working. You know, maybe my NK cells and cytokines are coming down, which my cytokines did come down. So I was like, see, it's all worth it. So I just kind of look at it like that. Like it's, you know, we know how much of a blessing it is. That's the thing. When you're pregnant after loss, it's like every single minute or hour, you're like, yes, you got to another hour. Yes, got to another, you know, day, another week, whatever it is. I remember like with us for our last ones, it was just like every day I was like, oh, that's one more day. I'm so excited. And yeah, I'm so excited for you. Thank you. And I, and I know it's hard. Like, I, you know, I know it's hard when you're sitting here looking at somebody else that's pregnant and talking to them and still wanting it to be like you, like you, like we talked about, you know, it, it's, you're excited, but your heart still breaks. So I admire y'all's courage to come on here and to talk to me about this. I really do. Oh, I admire your courage for talking to us about <laughs> everything that you've spoken about. It's been so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story and you know your pain and everything you've been through and I'm so excited for you to have a baby I can't wait for them to arrive in June May June whenever they come and like I've always told everybody I'm an open book and if like somebody wants to send me a message like hey I'm not sure about this test or that test hey I'll look it up for you I don't care to help if somebody has a question like I want to help as many women to possibly avoid this because like some it might just be a simple blood test you know you might need to be on prednisone you might need to take Levinox you know a baby aspirin a day if something that simple could prevent a miscarriage, why are people not trying to prevent that? Yeah. We'll leave your information in the show notes okay. so that people can get in contact yeah, with absolutely. you Yeah, absolutely. And I'll write back to everybody. So if yeah. somebody writes me a message, I will write you back. You may be on a different time zone. So if you sent to me in the morning, it may be one or two o'clock at night in my time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lauren. And, and again, I really want to acknowledge you and your husband for your courage and your strength. Um, because it's not easy it's really 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 not easy and it's a hell of a ride hell of a journey and i wish you all the best to you too for for this pregnancy for this little spring slash summer baby um but really you are two incredibly strong human beings uh to to go through that and also to share it openly it's not easy yeah. also to share it and that that also requires another level of strength and vulnerability because you're really like you know putting yourself out there like naked in a sense and and showing your emotions and your most vulnerable parts and you uh, have people who say this is really intimate you know in you a couple people who say some rude it's, comments too and you're like really you're just an I asshole <laughs> i mean here i am you, you, you don't have to comment just keep on scrolling <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine, but it's 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 a really intimate topic, you know. You're sharing a part of your life that is really about you and your husband. It's so intimate and personal, and and it's not easy to be so open and vulnerable like that and like you are. So really, I really want to acknowledge you for Thank that because it's 
we need more. It's what we should all do. It's it's amazing, but it's you need strength for it. Yeah, scary. Well, thank yeah. you, and thanks okay. all for bringing you know awareness to it also, and and letting people know and sharing your journey as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for this episode. It's been incredible and super informative. Like I said, I will leave your information in the show notes if anybody wants to get in contact. Um, Thank you so much for everybody listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode and we hope you have a wonderful week. Bye. Thank you all. No, I hope it it did okay on my end. (laughs) Good, good. Thank you. Have they tested you? No, no problem. Have they tested you for your natural...